the work of the Antichrist, and you need to understand, the Antichrist is really Satan as a person. With the title, Antichrist, against Christ. When it speaks in John chapter 2, verse 18, when he says there are many antichrists that went into the world, you need to understand that is a flood of fallen angels or demons that are now out in the world functioning and working in the lives of people. And we need to understand this about Satan. When it speaks of Satan coming as an angel of light, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that when he comes, he's not really revealing himself even at that point. Eleven fourteen, he says, And no wonder, for Satan himself, now, now catch the word here, masquerade, a deceptiveness. He masquerades. Masquerades as an angel of what? Of angel of light. Now, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the overhead. Understand this about Satan. He cannot give himself a body. Go ahead and switch me on over there. He can't give himself a body. God limit him with that power. Now he can invade a body. He cannot create a body. Catch the difference? He, he don't have the power to create a body. He can only possess or borrow a body or live and work through a body of someone who is willing to do his will. So when you hear Jesus speak, he says, you're about your father's business. You're willing to do the will of your father who is who? Satan. Okay. So he says, yeah, that person's willing. You're willing to do the will of your father, Satan. Because Satan cannot create a body. He has to find a body to use. And when he does, it may start off like an angel of light. So as we look today in Revelation 13 of the two beasts, they both come like a light, in a sense. They both do something that is marvelous, that catches the attention of people. When you go to Matthew, I'm sorry, to John, you find out a little bit of something. I'm jumping ahead of myself now. He cannot make himself a body. He just can't do it. Go to Matthew 8, 28 through 32. 
There, he's going to talk about the demons. And the whole process is that you hear the demons ask this question. Have you come to judge us already? It's not time yet. They recognize there's a time for them to be judged and punished. But until that time comes, they have this little freedom to disrupt. And they asked him to send them into something else. And the scripture says he sent them into the swine. Why? The demons have not the ability to create a body or a housing for themselves. Okay. That's why the Lord gives us that parable about the one who was clean and the demon goes out there searching for a place to stay and eventually said, hey, I'm going to go back home. <laughs> because a demon has to have a body to work through. Now, I'm setting all this up for you for that when we go to Revelation 13 about the first beast and second beast, both of those are men who are willing to do the work of the Antichrist or Satan. So I'm trying to set that picture for you at this point, that Satan always has to use a person who's willing to be used to do his work. He cannot create a body for his demons to house or for him to house. The only one who creates a body is God. And he says, when he arrived at the other side of the region of Gadarene, two demons possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed what? Now, now God has an appointed time to deal with Satan and all his cohorts. He has an appointed time. They know that is not time. They know the time, but we don't. But they know they have an appointed time coming. He goes on a little bit further. And he said, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of, they have to be in some type of body object or they can't work. It's in that body that they're able to function. The whole process is that Satan always needs a willing participant to carry out his will. So in the garden, what do we see him coming at? As a serpent. As a serpent. In 1 John 2.18, we're not, we're going to, I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. He said, there's many antichrists that have come. Now, if it was just one person, it couldn't be what? Many. 
But what makes it many is that it's not so much one person as it is a lie in the spirit of Satan that is being carried out by demons. So therefore, in First uh, Timothy 4, it says that many will follow the teachings of demons, the lies of demons. But it's demons doing the teaching through men. Now today, we have so much teaching going on, we can't discern what is right or what is We're struggling with it. We're really struggling with it. And everything that says Jesus don't mean Jesus. And everything that got a title on it, reverend, doctor, bishop, apostle, elder, watch it. And even be careful of me. Because the scripture says, trust no man. And the whole process boiled down to this here. Could he have created a body? No. Go to first, uh, go to St. John and go to chapter 1. St. John chapter 1. Drop down to verse 14. It says, the word became what? Only God could do that. The word became flesh. Prior to taking on flesh, it was spirit. Christ didn't have a body. Christ didn't have a body. He did not always exist in a body form. But now, because of the work that he's done, he will stay in a body form for that when we see him face to face, we'll see the nails. Because the scripture says in Acts that his body did not decay. So even when he went into the grave, the body didn't decay. What happens to our body when it goes into? Why do we say? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From the ground we came, from the ground we shall return. But he didn't come from the ground. He didn't come from the dust. His body was created by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. And it says the word became flesh. The word became flesh. Now go to Hebrews 10 with me. 10 fine. Because see, Satan can't do this. Listen to what it says now in 10 5. Therefore, when Christ came unto the world, he said... Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you what? Prepared for me. God prepared this body for him. It was a body that was prepared for him. For it was not a body made between a man and a woman. It was a body made by God, placed into the womb of Mary, that simulates a man, but yet not a man. It says about us that we have these material bodies, but when we're resurrected, we will have new bodies. Don't talk about Christ having a new body. It talks about us having a celestial body. It doesn't talk about Christ having a celestial body. 
That body is different than our body. Yet 100% man, 100% God, but yet God wrapped himself in this thing that simulates a man, look like a man, hungers like a man, thirsts like a man, knows pain like a man. But yet not the same body that we possess. And only God creates the body. Therefore, if your body going to the grave, you don't have to worry about God raising you up. If he created it the first time, he can do it the second time. You will look like you look because it says you will be known as you are known. But guess what? It's different. See? It'd be so, so good to be in heaven, have no urge about sex. It'd be good to be in heaven, and yet this body has no urge to eat. But if I desire to eat, I can eat. So good that this body won't thirst for water, but yet this body needs water. So good that, boy, I don't know how fast I'll travel, but I know I'll travel quicker than what I am traveling. And, and, and think of this, a body with no aches, no pains. Man. I told Elaine yesterday, I just got to sit down a while, I, gotta, cause I kept having that back pain right back in here. And then sometimes it's the knee pain. Then sometimes it's the shoulder pain, you can't even get the arm up. Man. And then sometimes it's the neck pain, you got... And just think, you're going to have a body with none of that. Okay. And I won't have to worry about weight no more. Okay. I got a new body. You see. But only God can create that kind of body. Satan doesn't have that power to create a body, but he has to find bodies to work through. Okay. Now, Go back to John with me, John 4, 24. Because as we go into Revelation 13, I want you to see how Satan is going to try to duplicate certain things. And I think Satan puts this in mind. If it works for God, it'll work for me. Have you ever done that? If it works for so-and-so, if I, if I do that, it ought to work for who? And I think Satan then tries to copy the Trinity. And we're going to try to show that. But in 4.24, he says, God is what? Is spirit. God is spirit. Now, I don't know what all that entails. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know what it is to be a spirit. I don't know what spirit really is or what spirit really look like or what spirit. I don't know. But it does define that God is a spirit and he's without a body per se like ours. I don't know if God's spirit is encased in something, is, is there that we see. I don't know. Only thing I know when Moses, God was in the burning bush. 
without a body. He talked to his prophets without a body per se. And scripture says he is a spirit. And I think in some ways, because Satan's desire is to be like God, he tries to duplicate God in so many ways. And I believe that scripture shows us that. In Revelation 13, he's going to talk about the first beast and the second beast. He also talks about the dragon. Now, this dragon here is not part of that dragon of the second beast. The dragon here is Satan himself. But the dragon, I want to say to you, is unseen. Mentioned, unseen. Like the father is mentioned, but unseen. With me? If I lose you, raise up both hands. Do, do something. Hey, I want you to just think with me as we go through this. The father is spirit. And yet he's working, but unseen. Satan, the Antichrist, is working, but yet what? Unseen. Unseen. That's why it's so important for you and I to know the word. Because we need to be able to identify the work of God who works through the Son, who works through the Holy Spirit, different from the work of Satan and the demonic foes who will use people that you can identify, this is demonic, this is spirit. Now we can both conclude they're all spirit, yeah, because they're out of our realm. But the work is done in this realm. So what we have to be able to identify is what is really of God, what is really of the Holy Spirit, what is really of truth. So God gives us his word that we have a basis to identify what is godly, what is ungodly. What is truth, what is a lie. And God says, now you have to study and you have to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of God, that you might rightly choose, even in life, what is right, what is wrong. Now, it also says in Scripture, that which was once declared to be right is now declared to be wrong. And what used to be wrong is now being declared what? Right. Now, you as the people of God got to begin to discern what is that. One of the main areas where Satan is getting people all mixed up today is in this thing called church because we can't really identify anymore the real purpose of church. Church is to glorify Jesus Christ. Church is to preach the Word of God. Church is not an entertainment. Church is not an individual. Church is God's people coming together to glorify Him and lift up His banner. And we need to get back to that. Not a bunch of church, church stuff. 
But get back to what Scripture is saying, what church is for, and the real purpose of church. But we've lost that identity, and so many churches today, I don't want to say don't care about almost a lot of them almost bar it. If, if you ain't got a title, you ain't supposed to be reading it. Who licensed you to preach? God called you to be his preachers, to be his witness. God called you to open your mouth and testify of him. Don't take no license. Don't take no ordination. Don't take no title. But other than being a child of God. That's all. That's all. When you look at this in 13, he says... Verse 1, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Now, that blasphemous name is against God. I want to suggest to you one of the areas where the Antichrist first has to attack, and that's why he says ten crowns. Ten crowns, I believe, represent ten governments or ten nations. Or those who are in rulership. Because Satan has to always start with the top usually to change anything. And those ten crowns are either ten nations, ten kings, ten governments. That's in control. But then one of them really rise up. And become like the chief nation or the head of it all. And he says, there's ten. Follow with me a little bit further. Because see, the, Satan is setting this up now. And he goes on and he says, The beast I saw resembles a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear. Now catch this. And a mouth like that of a lion. Remember what, how the lion is described? As the king of the jungle in a sense. But everything recognizes the lion's what? Roar. First Peter five eight. The lion, the devil is pictured as a lion roaming about to see who he can what? Devour. Hey. It's his roar. It's his mouth. It's what's coming out of his mouth that is going to capture the attention of people. It's what's coming out of his mouth is that's going to challenge the very foundation and the very word of God. And people are going to have to choose. And he says... Out of his mouth come all these blasphemous things. And again, blasphemy is blasphemy against God or against the principles of God, the teachings of God, the standards of God, the way of life that God has prescribed. It's all against God. But I want you to see how this works also. Just like Jesus Christ said, I come to do my father's will. The beast comes or allows Satan to do his will through him. 
This man allows Satan to use him. And he's going to do as Jesus said. I've come to do my father's will. Here is the beast come to do Satan's will or the devil's will. Now, something else is very similar here. Because, see, it's the teaching. Christ came with the teaching of his father. He said, I only speak that which I've heard of who? Of my father. When you go into First Timothy again, 4.1, who? The teachings of demons. Where is that coming from? From Satan. Okay. From Satan. Both playing behind the scene. God's behind the scene. Satan's behind the scene. Yet, both are there. Orchestrating, but not being seen. Not being seen. So Satan duplicates the father. He said, boy, if the father can make that work without really being seen, boy, I can make it work. I don't need to be seen. I just need to get people to do what? Willing to do it. Then when it comes to the son... The resurrection. When you get into the book of Acts, what you see the book of Acts talking about from the very beginning is the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. So the first beast, the dragon or Satan, allows him to somewhat replicate that. Because it says he has a wound on his head. Now, it didn't say that he died, but like unto death. See? And yet he lives. So it's somewhat that copying of the resurrection. So he says a little further, he says, The dragon gave him, gave the beast the power and the throne of great authority. Christ says, All authority has been what? Given unto me. All authority has been given unto me. Well, that authority was given by who? By the Father. Here you see in Scripture, the first beast receives authority and power from the dragon who is Satan. Mentioned, not seen. The Father mentioned, not seen. He goes a little further. Verse 3 and 13. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. Now, it seemed to have had a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been what? There's the life coming back to life. It didn't die, for in Scripture it says Christ died. Now, because this individual is a man, once he died, he would have been, because Job said it is God who gives what? Life and death. Nobody else. God had never given Satan the ability to raise anybody from the dead. 
Satan doesn't have the ability to create life. He doesn't have the ability to give life. That is something that is God and God alone that has that ability. So Satan makes it as though it looked like he's going to die with a fatal wound, but then heals him. And because of that, the same reaction that took place in the first century with the church, believing in the resurrection of Christ, takes place even here. For it goes on and it says, The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Now, when it says the whole world, everybody didn't do that. And it makes it clear in the text to come. But what he's saying, millions of people follow. Because this is something they're going to be able to see. Now, the same pattern with that of Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, that teaching went forth. After the healing of the beast, the teaching goes forth. Following the same pattern. Again, I submit to you what Satan is saying If it worked for God, it should work for me. So, in that whole process now, the whole world follows him. And then you begin to hear this saying, who is like the beast? Who is like the beast? Who is like it unto him? There's no one like him. There is none like him. We say that about Christ. There's none like him. Now we're saying about the beast. There's none like him. And so what happens now, you have the Father on this side of the Holy Trinity. You have the Antichrist of Satan over on this side, duplicating the Father's work in an unseen manner. Then you have Jesus Christ over here with his resurrection, his miracles, and what he does. Now you have the first beast replicating some of what Christ has done. It goes on and it says, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name. We are in a culture today that we slander the name of God. People have no reverence of the name of God. They have no respect about God's name. Nor do they have any respect about His Word or anything about God. And what we are slowly doing in some ways is eroding God from the consciousness of people. So we say the Ten Commandments can't be hung here. This can't be done here. You can't pray in the name of Jesus here. You can't do this on the job. You can't have this or that. You can't pray in school. You can't do this on this or that. And it's that thing of slowly, slowly eroding from the minds of people a reverence and a fear of God. Now the older generation may still have that. But unless it is taught 
to the younger generation, they are losing. So in our culture, in our society, Satan has slowly eroded it that the younger generation will not be taught as the older generation was. You need to see that taking place. And moms and dads, you need to sit down with your children. You need to ask them, tell me, what do you really believe? Tell me about this thing of salvation. If they can't explain it, they don't know it. They have to be able to explain it. Because when they can explain it, then it has not been the witness of mom or grandma, grandpa, the influence of somebody else. It is the power of the Holy Spirit within that child that's given testimony of Jesus Christ. We have taught our children to pray like us, say these words, do this, do that. And what has to happen, if this Holy Spirit is real, and this Holy Spirit is the teacher, He has to do it. And if it's the Spirit of God that convicts the heart, He didn't say what age. It is the Holy Spirit that comes in and does the work in that child or in that person. It is not something that you just repeat what the pastors say, your Sunday school teachers say, the elders say, or the deacons say, or what grandpa say. It is something that you repeat because the Holy Spirit has branded it on your heart. And He's there with it. He's there with it. And you know it. You know it. And He says, He comes to slander His name. Oh, what, you, what Joshua wrote ought to be over every one of our doorposts or in our house somewhere. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can't talk about somebody else's house. But if you are in this family, this house... You may not like it. We're going to church. You may not like it. We're going to pray. You may not like it. We're going to have Bible study. If you're in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. I hear the parents give children too many options. The Lord said train them up in the way they should go, not the way they like to go, not what they want to do but in the way they should go. And he comes back here and he says, boy, they have all this slander going on. He slanders his name. And look at the second place, his dwelling place. More churches are closing. Look at Germany, look at England, look at some of the countries that were very, very famous in the early part of the church and so forth in the latter part of the church, from Martin Luther on. Most of those churches in England today are used as something else. We are seeing a number of churches in the United States closing. Why? We don't have need of them. Why? People aren't interested. People aren't being saved. People really don't want to serve the Lord. We even have been taught consciously, you just stay home, prop your feet up with your pajamas on on Sunday morning and have church. So the argument is, I can have church all by myself, can't I? The problem is with that is this, it's not in the body. 
You can have church all by yourself. You're right. But you're not functioning the way God has ordained you to function in the body of Christ. The reason we come here is that we be of like mind. We're learning together. And then what we plan, we plan together. And what we do, we do together to impact society. We're doing it as a body because God's placed you with a certain gift and me with a certain gift and this person over here with a certain gift. And we need all those gifts to function in order to touch and to win a dying world. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. This person over here can't do it by theirs. It takes us collectively together to really have an impact on our society. And the people we want to win to the Lord. And he says, boy, even his dwelling place was under attack. Those who live in heaven, he blasphemed everything. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Now, now, now look what God allows for a moment. He allows Satan to give them power to conquer the saints. To abuse the saints. And, 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 and the Lord tells us, don't worry about them who can only destroy what? This body. But fear him who can cast body and soul into hell. We need to know the right person to fear. See, Daniel had no fear when he stepped into the lion's den. Well, if I'm destroyed, O king, I'm destroyed. It's up to God now. When the Hebrew children were cast in, it wasn't up to them that they were going to remain alive. It was up to who? And understand this. It's up to God if you remain alive. I don't care what the circumstances might be. You're in God's hands. You're in God's hands. And he goes on there and he says, And he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. He has power. He has authority. This first beast. This first beast. And was given to him by who? By the dragon or by Satan. Don't lose sight of that now. And he goes on, he said, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Hold that as an important point. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Now, follow with me for a moment. All the world was not worshiping Jesus Christ. Because all the world really didn't know about Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ dispersed the apostles and sent them out into all the world, now all of the world begins to what? Know about Jesus. When the second beast comes on the scene, one of the things he begins to do is make sure everybody knows. And understand this here. Jesus wasn't known worldwide until the Holy Spirit came. When you look at Pentecost, 
He had brought a group of nations together. And what happened? They heard and they began to take it where? Back. And when he sent the apostles, he sent them further than just Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses, yes, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and where at? The other most parts of the world. Hang on to that thought. I'm giving you a lot of things to hang on to. But you need to really see it. Because Satan is following the same plan, in a sense, that worked for God. I hope that you can see that. And he says, all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been, what? Written in the book of life. Those are the ones that will not. Belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, when we come down into the second beast, it says in verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. One, he's identified as a lamb. A lamb is gentle. Now, I don't know why here, but sometimes you just don't take the title of somebody else. Because, see, the Holy Spirit is described as a what? As a dove. And a dove is gentle. So now you got one that's described as a lamb that is gentle, who is the second beast. And now you have the Holy Spirit who's described as a dove that is gentle. And now you have the Holy Spirit saying, He will convict the world of what? Of sin. Now you have here that He will be a dragon, which is force, powerful. And it is in Him that we find the political. And the army that will be forceful. People are forced two ways about their will. Political and militarily. If you want to add a third, it will be worship. But those first two we see worldwide. It's the political part of a country that brings people into a conformity of the will of a society. Or it becomes the military that forces the people into the will of the society. One or the other. So he is described then as a lamb, but also as the dragon. He's going to duplicate some of the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on down with me. In verse 12, he says, He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. Go to John chapter 16 for me. 
Catch 16.8 first with me. When he comes, he will convict the world of what? Of guilt. When he comes. When you're convicted of guilt, you are to surrender at that point, or you're going to surrender and worship the Lord, Jesus Christ. When you're convicted of guilt. Now, you're not going to be forced. You're convicted of guilt. Understand this. God is the only one who can really convict you. Satan cannot. Satan doesn't convict. Satan force or Satan uses deception. One or the other. The young lady who cut off the neck of her child and put it on the table said she was made to do it. Well, what made her do it? Listen to some of the testimony sometime of people after they have done a hideous crime and you hear them say, I was made to do it. Well, who made you do it? And because the world doesn't believe in a demonic force, only thing we can say, they lost their mind, they done went crazy. But something forced that. Now, and I'll show you in a moment where Satan forces. He doesn't convict. He forces. And then when you come on down into verse 14, he says, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and doing what? And making it known. Now, 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 go back to 13 with me. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. Where is he getting that authority from? And then be mindful, where does the first beast get his authority? Now you see the Antichrist scheming, planning, functioning. Now you got Satan, the first beast, and the second beast. You have an unholy trinity at work. One not seen, two seen. The difference with the Holy Spirit, he's never seen. And see, Satan can't duplicate that. But he can duplicate because it says even he did miracles, that second beast did miracles. And miracles were done, and the early part of the church in Christ all contribute to miracles through the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he says then, in 13, I'm sorry, in verse 12, he says, He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants, what? Worship. He made. He made. He didn't convict. He's making. He's making you worship. It's not coming out of free expression of your will or surrendering of your will. You are being made to do it. Now, somebody will argue and say, well, there's still their will here. To a degree it is, but it's because it's out of deceptiveness and trickery. 
and is out of the so-called basic needs of life. This second beast gives a mark. And that mark allows you to buy or sell. Now stay with me for a moment. Because see, the scripture says we are sealed by who? By the Holy Spirit. A seal is a mark also. It was the mark of a king, a governor. It has its mark, its symbol. The mark here is a symbol of the Antichrist that has said, you have, of your own choice in a sense, have said, I will worship the first beast. Now I can buy and sell and get the necessities of what? Of life. So he duplicates that area of a mark or a seal, just like the Holy Spirit. God has his people sealed with the Holy Spirit as a mark in a sense. Here's the second beast bringing forth a mark that you have to take in order to have the necessities of life that you marked. But he's duplicating, in a way, what Satan has done. I'm sorry, what the Holy Spirit has done. Now, come down with me a little bit further. And he performed great and miraculous signs. Catch that. He performs great and miraculous signs. He performs miracles, but they're deceptive. He performs miracles. Now, is, is this, this is something that people have to grab hold of. You don't believe because you see a miracle. You don't believe because you see something happen. When the one man went into hell, he said, Jesus... Let me go back and warn my brothers. Send somebody back. And Jesus said, they have the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. If you don't believe the word of God, nothing else matters, really. It is not the signs, it's not the miracles. God gave us his word that his word would be that which is our foundation and what we stand on. For salvation and eternal life comes through what? Hearing of the word, not a miracle, but the word of God. But the word of God. The work in my life doesn't come through a miracle. It comes through the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the word of God that changes my mind. Not a miracle, not something I see, but it is the word of God that changes my mind. Because, see, my sight can be deceptive. And Satan can deceive me by what I see. And Paul says we are a people that walk by faith and not by sight. So it's not about what I see. It's about what God has done in my heart. 
And he says the second beast, he performs these miracles and these signs, even causing fire to come down from hell. Now, who did that in the Old Testament? Duplicating the great prophets. Elijah calling fire down. And fire comes down, copying what God has already done. Therefore, he becomes like that prophet because he becomes the worship leader, in a sense, to the beast, the first beast. So he is that great prophet, in a sense, that's going to send messengers out and so forth. And he goes on and he says, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived, catch that. Satan's main weapon is deception. And if you don't know the word and you don't camp in the word, you don't live in the word, and if your mind is void of the word of God, you're going to be deceived. And most likely you're already deceived. And he says that you'll be deceived, the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast to that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced Everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast of the number of his name. He forced. He made. And he made this image to speak. Not for himself. Now, here's what the Holy, what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit. He would not speak of himself. And what is he doing? He's doing the same thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ, not to himself. This second beast is not bringing so much attention to himself. That's why he is also called the false prophet. He is pointing to the first beast. Catch that. He's playing like the Holy Spirit to a certain degree. He's doing these miracles. And he's forcing people to come to a point to worship. What does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts us that we might worship the Lord. He convicts us that we would give our hearts. Over here, you're being forced, made to. In order just to receive the necessities of life. But that's because... Oftentimes, we've already been conditioned for that. Advertisement is a conditioning tool to get you to go out and do what? Yeah. And we even say it in a very nice way. You deserve it. What do you really deserve? Outside of your shelter... Outside of your food and just your basic necessities, what do you deserve? And I'm talking about your wants. What is it that you really, really deserve? 
And that's why God has promised our basic necessities. Not all that we want, but our basic necessities. In reality, we don't deserve any more of that. But I'm so thankful God doesn't stop with the cake. He put the icing all on top of it, too. And he gives me more than what I really deserve. But he acts like the Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity. Satan, the Antichrist. Not seen, but empowering. The first beast receiving all authority from Satan or the Antichrist. And then working. The second beast comes in to act as like the Holy Spirit to enforce worship of the first beast. The Father unseen, Satan unseen, the Son resurrected, the beast healed of a fatal wound. Many follow Christ and acts when we hear of the resurrection. Many, when he is healed of his wound, follow him. And the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself, but will take the things of Jesus Christ and show them unto us. And this by the power of the Holy Spirit in which Christ is raised from the dead. And you see the second beast acting in many ways like the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we read these two things and we can't give much because we don't know what is really talking. We just first beast, second beast, one comes from the sea, one comes from the earth. I hope I just shed a little bit more light. I hope you just go and search it out even more. You don't have to agree with me here. But from my perspective, what I see in Scripture, I see this acting. Part of what started this thought for me is David Jeremiah. So this is not so much all mine. Him and I different some. And I think that's where iron shopping's iron. <laughs> you know. But there's an unholy trinity that Satan is somewhat saying, if it worked for God, it'll work for me. And he's putting it to work in our culture, our society, our educational areas, in our places of employment, in our government. It is just taking root. Amen? Amen. Search it out. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that your word is truth. And that, Lord, you challenge us, O God, to search out your word. And Father, we want to continue to just search. We want to study these different areas in Revelation. We want to seek out as much as we can. And Lord, we pray, Father, that you would help make it clear unto us. And Father, we want to thank you that you prepare us, O God. Because, Lord, we are watchmen on the wall. We're watchmen on the wall. And we are a people who are to give the first warning to a dying world that Jesus is truly going to return. And Lord, we are a people who to be watchful and ready because we know Christ is coming, O Lord. Father, may all of us have enough oil in our jars. 
May all of us be ready, O God, when you return. May we, O God, be a people who are not looking, but we are a people who are alert. We are a people who are looking. We are a people who are ready. Let us not be deceived by the evil one. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today,